Also at the same time, I need to hear the songs, Ming Sang, telling us and reminding us that Jesus is the center of it all. Jesus is the center of our lives. Jesus is the center of our family. And Jesus is the center of the church, my spiritual family. And this year, we begin our talk on what it is concerning nurturing a Christ-centered family of fruitful disciples in BPPC and beyond. And for the year 2020, we want to continue to develop a loving and a caring BBPC family. And that is the theme for the year 2020, to develop a loving and caring BBPC. I wonder how you rank your natural family versus your spiritual family. And most of the time, people will rank it in two ways. First of all, they will say, yes, God will take the first priority in my life. Jesus is the center of my life. And then they say, my family will take second priority. And then they say, God's family, the church, and then come others. I'm not too sure whether you agree with this, there's another group of people that have a different priority and it's stated as God and his family is my first priority and then followed by my own family my natural family and others you as a believer as a regular worshipper of the church may or may not agree with how the priorities are ranked but the reality remains that in many homes there is always a tension between the natural and the spiritual family. And perhaps, particularly in Singapore, the tension is higher because there is a lot of expectation in Singapore with regards to maybe your career, your job, expectation of family members, expectation of in-laws, expectation of what other people is doing in the world and it influences you. And if you are married and have children, for example, and then there's a tension between trying to enable them to be educated well, well prepared for the education system, and thereby you are pressured to enroll your children in many other activities besides what is going on in the school. And sometimes this kind of activities takes place on Sunday. I also have counseled some people who have certain hobbies that they have a great deal of passion invested into and it begins to cause tension between not only their natural family, but also the spiritual family. And as a result, sometimes we find ourselves a little bit too busy for church life because our schedules are so full that it makes it quite, sometimes, not even able to attend church or even not to participate in a spiritual activities that allow 
the word of God to nurture us together in the corporate body of Christ for spiritual transformation. And sometimes even being so preoccupied with the stresses of life and the demands of life, we find it very difficult to consider accepting the role of leadership in the church when called upon by the church leader. Of course, I know that we all love God. We always want to have Jesus having the first place in our lives. But along the way, we do encounter times when there is a huge disconnect between our spiritual lives, between God and ourselves and the spiritual family. So whether we take the first priority or the second priority, uh, which is correct, well, I'm not going to tell you blindly that we must serve the church without giving a second thought to our own family lives, to our own careers, to our own marriage or children. And I know that every family has their unique circumstances. So there is, it is tricky sometimes even to allocate time between our natural family and spiritual family. And there is no one-size-fits-all advice that a person can give. But as Christians, as children of God, it is important for us to consider the Word of God as a first standpoint with regards to how then do we place the spiritual family in our journey with God. And especially when we want to focus this year on nurturing a Christ-like family of fruitful disciples in BBPC and beyond. So we need to pay particular attention to how Jesus said in the New Testament into the time of Gospel concerning the Kingdom of God and regards to the natural and spiritual family. So this morning, I ask you to join me in prayer as we consider uh, this before God. So Lord, we pray that indeed you will minister to us and speak to us in a very personal way. Lord, you know that we do have our own tension that we face in our spiritual walk with you. But it is important for us that, Lord, we must place our tension, our desire, our needs, our perspective under the direction and the teaching of your word so that indeed we can even draw closer to you as we learn to submit our will to yours, as we learn to submit our needs to you. Because, Lord, when we give, you would always give us many returns in many ways that we will never imagine. As we give you time, Lord, I am sure and firmly believe that whatever time that you have given to us will indeed bear fruits because you are the God of time. We are confined by time, Lord, but you are not. And therefore, we learn to submit to the teaching of your word, to listen it with your spiritual eyes and spiritual ear, so that indeed we can continue to grow and draw spiritual nourishment and benefits as we journey with you, as you journey with us on this earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So two things that we want to look at this morning concerning the spiritual and 
in the natural and spiritual family. And we want to consider, first of all, the fact on the natural family, that Jesus himself was born into a natural family, and that he received all the benefits of children during the time period that he was born into. And that when you look into the gospel of Jesus Christ, Jesus himself never seek to undermine the natural as well as the spiritual family. First of all, Jesus did not set out to destroy family values of the home. In fact, Jesus tells us to honor our father and our mother. And that Jesus speaks sternly against those who try to find excuses not to honor your parents. And that's why, in fact, in Mark 7.10, as well as Matthew 15, Jesus affirmed the fifth commandment. And he teaches us and reminds us that it is so important to care and honor them in the journey of life that he has given to us. And this was even affirmed by the Apostle Paul. For in 1 Timothy 5, 8, he said, But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So the Apostle Paul himself came across very strongly to remind us that it is so important for us to honor the natural family, particularly our parents. Since the Apostle Paul and Jesus himself has said that, we must keep that in our hearts with regards to the natural family. But how about the spiritual family? In the passage that we just read from Matthew 12, 47 to 50, it is a time where Jesus refused to be drawn back into the confine of the natural relationship with his concerned family who went to speak to him. So first of all, in this verse, he says that in verse 47, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. I think the word desire or wanting to speak to you may give the impression that the mothers and the siblings of Jesus Christ was passing by and said, oh, I wanted to say hello to him. But that is not the idea. Because in the passage of Matthew chapter 12, we read that there were a lot of people gathering around Jesus and his disciples as they were go about teaching the news concerning the kingdom of God. So much so that because they were so busy, that the disciples and Jesus himself didn't have the time to eat or to rest. So the word speak is much stronger than a word of hello. But in fact, here the mother of Jesus and his sibling wanted Jesus, him back to go home. And once again, to have that family life, to have that natural family life. The family were concerned for Jesus, fearing that the strain of his work and the ministry may have caused him to lose his mind. 
or even his health when he forgets to eat. But the problem here in this passage is since that when the mother of Jesus and his sibling went to approach him, Jesus queried their desire in a very dramatic way and say, Who are my father, mother, and my brothers? Who are they? Sounds very strange as to how Jesus would respond that way. Who is my mother? Would you say that to someone to say your mother is waiting outside? Who is my mother? It seems that Jesus is dishonoring his mother right here. And therefore, it is very important for us as believers not to read the passage carefully. It is important for us to understand that Jesus will not dishonor his mother because he values the natural family that God has given to him. In fact, in John 19, you also read that Jesus cared for his mother so much so that well, on the cross of Calvary, whereby his life was about to be taken away from him, he told the Apostle John, Look, this is your mother. In other words, Jesus, in his love for his mother, do not desire that his mother be lonely without his very presence, even though he knew that it would be a short time. He therefore asked John, to take Mary home as his mother. Jesus took care of his mother till the very end when he gave his life for us on the cross of Calvary. That's why he says, here are my mother. And then he went on to say, and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he says, here are my mother and my brothers. Now, Jesus is not comparing his mothers to other mothers. But he says, he says, here are my mothers and my brothers, referring to those that are standing before him. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven, my brother and sisters and mother. Jesus is not trying to compare Mary to the rest of the mothers around him, or to his siblings around other people whom he said, these are my mothers and my brothers. Mary's during that time would have understood very, very well that Jesus is honoring her as well as others on the same level. Who is my mother? Well, here are my mothers. Who are my brothers? Here, here are my brothers. The privilege that was given to his mother is also extended to those around him who are mothers. The privilege that was extended to his brothers are also extended to those around him whom he called his brother. So Jesus wanted us to teach us something here and he made it in a very clear distinction between his natural family and his spiritual family. These are my brothers and mothers. While your mothers and brothers are waiting outside, there is that spiritual family and that is that natural family. And Jesus is saying that both families are important, they are valid, and that they are true families. So Jesus not only endorsed 
the natural family that he has, as we look into the natural family in a brief, in a briefly just now. But he also, likewise, say that the spiritual family exists, and that this spiritual family is real, exactly like the natural family, and therefore, the spiritual family must be regarded as real, a real family that is indeed in your mind all the time. We all are brothers and sisters, spiritual brothers and sisters in the spiritual family, just like a natural family. Therefore, as Christians, it is important that we should not treat the church as an ordinary organization, a place where we come to church to worship God, a place with, regards, with no regards to other people in the community except myself. No, the church is not an organization. The church is a living corporate body of Christ, whereby there are titles, there are rules, and there are regulations, and all honors given to those who host responsibility that God has called upon them. So there will be obligation within the natural family, as well as obligation within the spiritual family. But when we consider this, then there is what we call the tension that exists between the natural and spiritual family. Jesus taught also in other scriptures, passages, that the key aspect of the good news of the kingdom of God is that the spiritual family is of utmost importance than the physical family or the natural family. And the truth is revealed in John 1, 12 to 13, which says, Yet to all who receive him, every one of us who accept Jesus, to those who believe in his name, he gives the right to become the children of God, children born not of natural descent, not of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. Why did God mention and remind us that we are children of God, that we are born of God? Well, the fact is that God is eternal, and therefore the spiritual family has eternal value, while the natural family is of temporal nature. But again, Jesus is not undermining the natural family, but he's telling us that there is a commitment to the spiritual family, and the commitment is to place Jesus as the first priority of your life. That's why we sing the song, Jesus is the center of my life, Jesus is the center of my family life. Because when there is a time when there is a greater demand in the spiritual family, it will definitely create tension and sometimes even to the point of division in one's natural family. But if that happens, then the scripture tells us that Jesus must take the precedence. Jesus must take the first place. So there is a newborn that is higher in the spiritual family and run deeper than even our natural family unites together. So there is no question that yes, Jesus acknowledged that the natural family in a certain way is on par with the spiritual family. But yet the spiritual family is greater because of the fact that the eternity value is found in it. 
But of course, with this, the tension arises. Then how do we, as a spiritual and natural family, navigate through this tension? While our natural family do carry a heavy weight of significance, we must learn, as the children of God, to saturate our natural family under the overarching rubric of the family of God. We must submit our natural family under the spiritual family, and not to regard it as a separate entity. In other words, it is one, and yet in the oneness we are, when called upon to regard the spiritual, the spiritual family on a higher level, we must learn then to submit to God. Because if we regard them as coexistent side by side, we will never be able to resolve the tension between the spiritual and the natural family. If we do not learn to do that, then when we put our family as the center of our life, if you put the natural family as the center of our life, then practically you will find that it is going to be very hard for us to make decisions to participate in the spiritual events and activities that God has placed in the church to nurture our faith. The Bible tells us that the natural family should not fight the spiritual family. And if we are able to learn to value this in our hearts, then that will create the opportunity for us to grow deeper, to have a greater understanding and a greater appreciation of both the natural and spiritual family. When you learn to give to God, God will always return to you in many folds. If you think that your 24 hours is already so stressful, you learn to submit to God, you'll find that spiritually, God even may allow you to have greater time within the 24 hours in a very miraculous way he returned to you. And all this needs to be exercised in faith. So by applications, it is important for us to remember that if your, spirit, your natural family is also a spiritual family with regards to the parents, to the children, then you are in a good position. And if you are in this good position, then we must treasure it even in our hearts. If you are a parent and if you are a first generation Christians and if you establish a natural and spiritual family together from the very start of your life, of your journey as a couple, indeed you must be thankful to God. I am thankful to God that I am of the fourth generation of believers in my family heritage and I value it a lot. And in my own family, we always seek to apply this principle that the natural family revolves its life activities around the spiritual family. When my children were very, very young, we would always bring them not only to church, but to all the activities and events that the church conducts or have in order to nurture the spiritual family. And despite the challenges of lagging all the things with us, having three children, and how many friends that we have to bring along with us, 
we still find it a joy when we commit ourselves to nurture not only ourselves but our children within the fold of the spiritual family. And when we commit ourselves to that, and as we go to church, many brothers and sisters naturally come forward and help to carry the babies, the children, the grandmother, the grandfather, you know, the singer, the married, all will come forward and to help us care for our children while we serve God. And I'm so happy to see that happening in our leadership gathering last night. When some of our leaders have children coming to the meeting, they do not have to worry because there are other fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord to care for the children. In our growing up years, we entrust our children to the Sunday school teachers. It is so important to trust in the corporate family of God. It is so important to say that God has raised up people to teach in the Sunday school and therefore it is important as parents to commit ourselves to the Sunday school. Never, never doubt that God can do great work even in those whom you think that they are not capable of. Children being raised up in a corporate family, regardless of the ability of the teachers, are blessed because it is God who has called people to serve them and to serve us and to serve our children. There is always that community for each other. And as Christians, you must learn to do that. And so if you are children above three years old, please send them to the Sunday school. Learn to entrust your children to the single and to the married. This is good also because it helps the single and the married couples to serve with the spiritual gift that God has given them, to support you in the journey of faith. Everybody in the family of God, particularly in their spiritual family, has a spiritual gift to contribute to the Word of God. And as pastors, we want to encourage that, that you ought to learn to use your gift for the benefits of the body of Christ. And in this way, then, we, even with challenges faced by our own family, but as we contribute to the family, we are able to navigate through life circumstances or current life circumstances and draw benefit for him when we think, in fact, that we have no time for the church. My wife and I also recognize that both of us has to give a lot of time to the church community because of God's calling for us and also because of the ongoing work of evangelism in an outreach. But we felt that this is something that must go on and pass on to our children as they grow up. Because learning to make sacrifice for God and the spiritual community will reap divine and eternal value. That has always been in our hearts. And that's why we always tell our children to value that too. So that they too will learn to appreciate time that they can spend together valuing the goodness of God in other people whom they can contribute to. And as our children grows up, sometimes as parents, we do ourselves feel that our children are spending a lot of time in church because they are very involved in Hope Presbyterian Church serving and leading 
uh, other people as well as mentoring other people. So there is always somehow a tension between uh, us and the children whereby we, we want them sometimes to spend a little bit of time with us. So it would not be right if I say that there is no tension in our family. There are tension. But one day, my other son texted me and said, Dad, is there a scholarship for people going into full-time study? You know what would be the impression formed in my mind when I read that? I think, hey, my son is going full-time, huh? But then I say, ha, 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 that's not me. But I want to find out for someone that I've been mentoring this while, as he is considering going into full-time ministry. Well, it is not time for my son to consider that, but in his time that he has sacrificed for the spiritual family, in his time that he has sacrificed for the natural family in order to be involved in the spiritual family, has paid dividends. Because through the sacrifice of his time given to the spiritual family, he was able to bring someone to the point whereby the person is considering serving the Lord full time. And that brought joy to us. And that, that begins to undo a lot of tension in our hearts too with regards to them. Because the joy of hearing that actually brings greater joy to the sacrifices and the tension that we experience in our own family. In, in order sometimes to overcome those kind of tension in our family, both Serene and I have to make special appointment with our three boys. Say, can you craft out a little bit of time for lunch with daddy and mommy? Can you craft out a little bit of time for daddy and mommy for dinner? And we manage it. But at the end of the day, we know, we know that this is a spiritual privilege given to us as a family who knows God and has God been placed in the first place in our lives. But what if you do not have that privilege? If you do not have a privilege of being in a family that is also a spiritual family, then this is where the church will come in. The church will exercise that family love. The spiritual family will be there with reference to love, with concern, care, honor, regards, support, and prayer. It is not meant to be an escape route for the person, but it is a place whereby indeed he will continue to receive that understanding and love and the support that he needed. But the person still needs to tackle his own problems within his spiritual family. But it is there that he is able to find the guidance and help from the spiritual family in regards to the difficulty that he may encounter in his natural family. He has certain responsibility to the natural family and he must fulfill it to be a witness for the Lord in a natural family who does not know God. But that is where he draws support when he goes to church for encouragement and the strengthening of his faith so that when he goes back, he can continue to be a light in the house. So what is God's will for you for the person whose natural family is not spiritual? God's will for him is that he has to be a witness for God continuously throughout his life. And maybe through that, the Lord may return many foes by bringing the family to know him and to become a spiritual family. So a biblical view of the church 
must put God and his family first place in the first priority and by doing that whether you are single whether you are married you will find then that you are able to contribute and grow together and that you will find that you will have greater time and more time to be in the presence of God so that there is greater spiritual transformation in your life Jesus Christ has declared the natural family to be good and beneficial Jesus Christ has declared the spiritual family to be good and beneficial but yet the spiritual family has a higher priority because there is eternal values that goes with it and the eternal values starts now till the time we leave this earth and we carry on in eternity with God himself so let us continue to grow in that understanding let us continue to meditate on the understanding so that indeed we will learn to revolve our natural family around the spiritual family and therefore see God doing greater things in our family as well let us pray Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you for the instruction of your word that indeed the spiritual family should take precedence over the natural family. When you call us to participate in events that will lead to our spiritual transformation. So we submit this teaching in our hearts to you. Help us Lord to meditate about, about it, to consider it and allow the spirit to speak to us in a very personal way. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. At the same time, as a spiritual family, we also want to commit those whom God has called to take the role of leadership. Last year, the church has affirmed God's calling upon Deacon William, Deacon Sean Yu, and Elder John to serve a term of three years with the rest of uh, the leadership team. And this morning, Deacon William Ng will take his pledge. Elder John, are you coming too at the same time? Yes. And Elder John, before us and before God. So would I ask both of them to come forward? Thank you. Today we celebrate God's gift of faithful leadership for His people. We joyfully thank God for the elders and deacons that God has called to serve among us. In the office burials of the church, we see the love of Christ for His people. And as the Lord of the church appoints leaders, and by His Spirit, God will equip them, will strengthen them, and will grant them the discernment so that they will grow in faith and to lead the church and to serve others in a selfish love and to share in the good news of Jesus Christ. So this morning, we want to therefore ask Elder John and Deacon William to take the following pledge. A pledge before the very presence of God and before these congregations to fulfill the role and responsibility that God has placed upon them. And the following questions will be asked to them and they will reply as the Lord direct their hearts to answer positively as according to the flesh on the screen. <laughs> Do you believe that in the course of this congregation, God himself is calling you to be his servant leaders? 
Do you believe that the Old and New Testament are the Word of God, the only infallible rule of faith and life? Do you accept the BBPC covenant for service and will respectfully fulfill your pledge before God and these people? Do you promise to do the work of your office faithfully in a way worthy of your calling and in submission to the government and the discipline of the church? And then the pledge will be shown on the screen as they will come forward to sign on the covenant that God has given to them. The pledge of covenant service is found on the Holy Communion table and therefore I would like them to come and sign and then we will pray. So while they are signing, I will run the screen for you for you to read. And with God's calling and faithfulness that you have declared your desire to serve him and to pledge your loyalty to the kingdom of God, we therefore would like to commit them to prayer. Would you join me in prayer? Our mercy Father in heaven, we thank you that you have provided faithful and gifted people to serve as elders and deacons. As this new office bearer assume their responsibility, fill them with the work of the Holy Spirit, grant them wisdom, strength, and grace to serve your people. Make them faithful workers in your vineyard. And under their guidance, may the church continue to grow in strength, from strength to strength, in every spiritual truth, in faith which is open and unashamed, and in committed service that may promote your reign in the world. Help them to perform their duties with humility and loyalty to you, and loyalty to you. In their work, grant them a sense of sustained awe which is rooted in daily devotion to you, their Lord. To them, that may your name be honoured and your church be served. Help us, therefore, God, as your people, as this congregation, to accept them gladly, to encourage them always, and to respect them for the sake of your precious Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen. Thank you.